0: Hey everybody, what's up? This is Joshua, the world's mayor. We are on the Live Mana network right now. Thank you so much uh, for being here. You, you of course, can find our app on the App Store, whether it's your phone, your tablet, your computer, or even your smart TVs. You can find us there. And um, as we've talked about before, we are a Viewer supported network and nonprofit. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, the Live Mana Worldwide Foundation, and um, we are very passionate about serving in our mission. You can learn more about that, of course, at livemana.org. I'm not going to go into all that today, but one of our missions uh, as a foundation and as a network is to be a voice for the voiceless and elevate other voices for the voiceless. And God is. Uh, I guess it's only fitting, actually, uh, that we've gone down this path and starting to learn more about uh, the justice system, uh, you know, and, 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 and injustices around the world, especially in our own communities. And today, um, I felt led. I'm going to do another broadcast later and uh, to dive more into civil commitment law um, and, and some of the things that are going on there. Uh, But today, it was on my heart to talk about redlining, which um, I don't know what's taken so long, to be honest, Uh, how we started a foundation and a network. It all started right after George Floyd was murdered. And when we started our nonprofit and the media organization and, and again, the network, our, our mission was to elevate these voices that have been suppressed and, and it didn't matter. We didn't really have a specific, uh, demographic or anything like that in mind. We just knew a lot of people had had their voices taken from them, their innocence taken from them. Um, and they've been silenced, whether it was from sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, (laughs) narcissism abuse, uh, racism, Uh, slavery and all the forms of slavery because there's a lot it's not as simple as just saying it's you know Africans or black people that have been enslaved it it's actually more than that Um, there's Muslims that are experiencing slavery there's Christians experience slavery it's not even about religion Uh, there's uh, I think of the brick kiln slavery um, which happens in India And, uh, uh, oh my gosh, sure. Africa in the Middle East. Uh, and it's, I just said that wrong, but debt, debt bondage, slavery and, uh, some of the stuff that happens there. So, I mean, there's just all of these injustices, all forms of slavery, all forms of injustice of the justice system of, and there's all kinds of people that are locked up unjustly. Uh, there's people that are out of prison that should be in prison. The whole thing is screwed up, but, when we started our foundation, it was inspired by what was going on uh, and the, the, the energy behind what had happened right as or at, right after George Floyd was mur- murdered. And I don't have all the facts on that. I mean, I know with the video, I've seen multiple videos. I've seen a lot of stuff. But the fact is he was murdered. The fact is there's a lot of innocent people, innocent uh people that have been murdered by police and there's also a lot of really great police officers there's a lot of really great government officials but i believe that the good guys in these industries that are supposed to protect us are drowned out by the evil that's just what i believe that's what i've seen in my own life and frankly i've gotten away with enough crime in my life uh and i'm pretty confident some of it is because well i was a white guy and i looked a certain way like i didn't look like trouble and God, the truth is, I, I was a lot of trouble and should should have been in a lot of trouble. And um, so anyway, we I, I just felt and saw a lot of voices that were being suppressed, a lot of anger and resentment from people that have been silenced, that have been trying to bring attention to certain areas and were not getting a job done. And so, while I know for a fact that, like, during the riots that happened in Minneapolis, a few different times since I've lived here, um, I know a lot of people were busted in to, to riot. Because I don't believe that, uh, especially if you get to know the people in Minneapolis, uh, that we like we did, they weren't the kind of people that were going to destroy their city and their community. Especially cities they helped build. And... That's why we're going to talk about redlining today. Because while I'm not 100% informed on this, I I got a little bit of an understanding with it when I lived downtown Minneapolis and was able to serve and work with a lot of different organizations. And you hear how these cities are built, these major big metropolis cities. You hear how they're built and who they're built by. And then you learn about redlining, you learn about gentrification, and you learn about some of these other things that... You know it's hard to look at it and say this is not by design, and someone doesn't have an agenda here, and this agenda is not good. So before that, though, um, we are a faith-based organization, and we cover a lot of weird subjects and a lot of crazy subjects, some things that don't seem believable, and um, and and. But for right now, God is really has the justice system injustice. On our heart to talk about, and so that's why we're down. Uh, that's why we're going down this uh, rabbit hole lately. <laughs> with all of our last broadcast, is is a desperate need um, and desire to expose truth. But instead of trying to be a truther about the vaccines or a truther about um, you know some of the other conspiracies, I want to dive into things that are provable, that are provable injustices. Because believe it or not. I believe the same people that are involved with those injustices are involved with the other injustices that are deemed conspiracy so that's why we're going down this road but first i want to read isaiah 5 6 and um because it's a prophecy and um and to me it this is an inspiring prophecy and when i read this it's not going to sound that inspiring at first so bear with me Um, but i believe for all the, the meek I believe for all the people that have been left behind and shunned from society, who've been taken advantage of, have been segregated with an ulterior motive uh, that's not good, with, with an agenda that's not good. I believe that this prophecy can inspire hope because I promise you that God is the ultimate God of justice. And there's no riot that I could start or no protest I could join or even start myself. There's no, there's nothing that I can do on my own, or I believe on our own as people can do. I believe that God can work through us in a collaborative way to work together in a way that brings truth and brings a spotlight to areas that most, the powers that be don't want to light on. I believe that it's through God that we are going to do this, and um, and and through. Really expressing the love of Jesus, the being the hands and feet and the mouth for Jesus, um, which I've never actually heard being a mouth for Jesus, but you know, the Holy Spirit will speak through us. So I believe we can be the mouth for Jesus too. So let me dive into this. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to broadcast. Thank you for the people. Uh, that are watching and listening right now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak through me and allow me to speak words of wisdom that inspire, motivate, encourage, and give hope. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, let me do this real quick. I'll be right
1: back. Hallelujah. Heal
0: uh, of fun intro videos my wife Jessica has made Uh, that is my favorite one and um, I love it so much and it makes more sense every time I watch it now (laughs) but believe me I love the flash and pizzazz and the bright lights and all that stuff I do I do Uh, but I'm not afraid to get muddy and dirty too and uh, that's why broadcasting in my workout clothes right now anyway thank you for being here Um, and what was I gonna say something I was gonna say something I think it doesn't matter anyway all right. let's get to this Isaiah 5 to 6 so I would love this voice translation of the Bible and the reason why is because it reads like a script and It's just easy to digest. So here we go. The prophecy echoes stories of the great exodus when God led Israel out of slavery in Egypt and guided them safely through the barren rocky crags of the Sinai Peninsula. God was their comfort and sustainer, an ever-present guide for protection, or guide and protection. The ancients spoke of traveling beneath the cool shade of a cloud by day and a pillar of warm bright fire by night. Now the prophet sees ahead to the day when God will provide his people rest and comfort. a new exodus in his chosen place, Sion. The ways of this world are falling (laughs) all around us. And I want to give encouragement today to everyone that has been fighting the fight, has been living in the upside-down kingdom, which is means you live the opposite of what the world uh, wants you to live or how it wants you to live. And and the people that have been taken advantage of, the meek, y'all, your time is coming. Our time is coming. People that have been shunned from society, have been discriminated against, have been, you know, racially profiled, have been abused, have been taken advantage of, have been forced in some form of slavery. Your time is coming. 100% your time is coming. Uh, your time of victory. Victory in Jesus. I just reminded me of Baptist church growing up. Your time is coming. So, Isaiah 5. Let me now sing for my dear friend a love song about his vineyard. My friend, who I dearly love, had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He labored to prepare the ground, tilling the soil and digging out rocks, and then he planted it with the best plants he could find. In its midst, he built a watchtower over it and cut out a wine press in the hill in the hill nearby. Then he waited, hoping it would be beautiful and bountiful, but the vineyard produced only wild bitter grapes, the eternal ones. That's it. Enough. Now you live In my special city, Jerusalem, you people of this choice country, Judah, who's in the right, me or the vineyard? What else could I possibly have done to make it flourish? Why, when I had every reason to expect great beauty and bushels of grapes, did it yield only wild, bitter fruit? I tell you what I'm going to do, what I've determined to do in my vineyard. I'm going to take away its protective fence. And let the deer, raccoons, and rabbits devour it. I'll break down its wall. Let the vines be eaten and trampled. I will set it up for destruction. Do no pruning, no tilling. And it will be overrun with nasty briars and thorn bushes. And I will even order the clouds not to water it. So here, the vineyard of the eternal, the commander of heavenly armies, is the house of Israel, his special people. And the shoots and buds he nursed so lovingly along are the people of this choice country, Judah. He expected a paragon of justice and righteousness, but everywhere injustice runs blood red in the streets and cries echo in the city. Oh, how bad for those who hoard property and wealth, buying up houses and fields right and left, until there is no place left for anyone else. That sounds like Bill Gates. Until there is no place left for anyone else, you will find yourselves very alone in the midst of this great land. I was there when the Eternal, the commander of heavenly armies, told us what to expect. The Eternal One said, Make no mistake about it. Many houses will be abandoned. Grand, beautiful houses with all the luxury will echo empty. Huge investments and in ten-acre vineyards will yield tiny dividends, mere gallons of wine. Prime property planted with plenty of seed will grow a nearly worthless amount of grain. Oh, I can't help but groan for people who rise and drink without stopping from early morning to take evening until their passions and emotions burn within them. They entertain themselves with lyres and harps, uh, tambourines and flutes, and plenty of wine at their feast. But they don't think for a minute about all the Eternal has done. They don't stop to consider the work of his hands. The eternal one said, make moan, make make no mistake. My people are headed for exile because they never took note. Even the most honorable among them will endure hunger, with the majority will be parched with thirst. Make no mistake. The force of death is insatiable. The great gaping grave is opening wide to swallow whole Jerusalem's opulence and pageantry her whole noble citizens and common folk, all raucous revelry. Human beings will be cut down to size, one after another. Those who walk around with their noses in the air will all be humiliated. By contrast, the Eternal, the commander of heavenly armies, will be high and mighty because he judges fairly. The Holy God will be shown to be so because he does what is right. At the time, Jerusalem will become a pasture Where grapes, or lambs graze, and foreigners will eat in the ruins where the wealthy once died. Let me do that again. By contrast, the Eternal, the commander of heavenly armies, will be high and mighty because he judges fairly. The Holy God will be shown to be so because he does what is right. At the time, Jerusalem will become a pasture where lambs graze, and foreigners will eat in the ruins where the wealthy once dined. Oh, how terrible for those who drag their guilt around, worthlessness and wrongdoing in tow. They sneer, well, where is he? Let him be quick about it. Let's see the business of the Holy One of Israel. Let's see what he has in store so we know what it is. Oh, how terrible for those who confuse good with evil, right with wrong, light with dark, sweet with bitter. Oh, how terrible for those who think they're so wise, who consider themselves so clever. Oh, how terrible for those heroes who can outdrink anyone, those champions who take pride in mixing drinks, those judges who set the guilty free in exchange for a little something, all the while denying the innocent what they deserve. Therefore, as fire eats up the stubble and dry grass, is engulfed by flames, so it will be for everything they count on for the future. Their roots will rot, their flowers will wither and fly away like dust. For those, they refuse to accept the law of the Eternal, the commander of the heavenly armies. They derided and disparaged the word of the Holy One of Israel. It's no wonder the Eternal burns with anger at his people. So he raised his hand against them and crushed them. So what the whole earth rang with the blow and you couldn't move without stumbling over their corpses, lying like trash in the street. Despite all this, he was still very angry. His hand is still raised. He's not done yet. He will signal to distant nations and whistle for their armies, unleash the dogs of war. At breakneck speed, they will come, a war machine like no other, never tired, never weak. No one needs to rest or sleep. Not a belt needs tightening. Not a sandal strap needs fixing. Their arrows have been sharpened. Their bows have been bent, ready for action. Their, their horses' hooves spark like flint. Their chariots' wheels spin like whirlwinds. Their roaring is deafening, like a run- lion, like a pack of roaring lions. When they attack, they growl and pounce on their prey, carrying them away. No chance of rescue. On that day, they will roar over his people like roaring angry sea and the land will go sorrowful in the dark the light escaped the clouds of war so (laughs) that's a lot um let me see if i want to go on okay yeah and the same year that king azura died i saw the lord sitting on the grand throne way up high with a flowing cape that filled the whole temple bright flaming creatures waited on him each had six wings, two covering its face, two covering its feet, two for flying. Like some fiery choir, they would call back and forth continually. Holy, holy is the Eternal, the Commander Heavenly Armies. The earth is filled with His glorious presence. They were so loud that the, the doorframe shook, and the holy house kept filling with smoke. Isaiah said, I'm in for tr- so much trouble. I'm ruined. I'm just a human being. Fallible and stammering, my lips, my lips are entrusted with filth, and I live among people just like me. But here I am, and I have seen with my own very eyes none other than the King, the Eternal Commander of the Heavenly Armies. Then one of the flaming creatures flew to me holding a red-hot ember which it had taken from God's table, the temple altar with a pair of tongs. The creature held it to my lips, Flaming Creature said, look, with the touch of this burning ember on your lips, your guilt is turned away. All your faults and wrongdoings are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord's voice, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah said, here I am, send me. The Eternal One said, go to his people and say, keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. Make their hearts hard, their ears deaf, and their eyes blind. Otherwise they, might see in their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and then turn and be healed. How long, Lord? Until cities are in ruins and houses sit empty, and the land has become a wasteland. You see, the Eternal has determined to move the people far away. Place after place will be completely abandoned. And even if just a tenth survive, it will be burned again. Imagine a terebinth or an oak. Once it is cut down, the stump remains. The holy seed remains in the, stump. in the stump. Whew! That's a lot. That sounds like a lot of doom. But I believe with all my heart that is saying Yeah, there is doom coming. The wicked will have their time. And God's people will have theirs. And it's two different destinies, two different fates all together. Don't give up. Don't give up. There are so many people that are just hurting right now. And there's so many people that are wanting to give up. And their back's against the wall. I'm like, where are you, God? Where's my blessing? Where's my breakthrough? I'm losing my job. My health is bad. My my family's a wreck. You know, I've seen all this evil happen before my eyes. I'm, I'm noticing that, like, I'm just being lied to by every media outlet possible. Like, no one's telling me the truth. What? How is this happening? How is this happening, God? I don't, if you're not asking that, I, I I don't know what you're paying attention to. course i quit watching the news a while ago but i do have a phone (laughs) and i see i see what's on my phone all the time but anyway so i want to get to this injustice because these these are the things that i believe like so oh now i remember what i was going to say before i read the bible verse all of these things like hell will break out on earth hell and we already live in some level of hell anyway I believe that with all my heart. But it doesn't mean that God's power can't work through us, even though we're in some level of hell. All of you who have been taken advantage of, all of you who have been robbed, have, been, have, have had innocence stolen, God's going to make all of that right. God's going to make these injustices. Like, you ever wonder how the world, like why the world works the way it does? how things get done, how people get contracts over others, how people get the movie deal that other people don't. Like, there is so much more that goes on than what is ever presented to the public or what is ever put in the newspaper. For, for instance, I'll give you a prime example. Uh, everything's for sale, including media slots, like newspapers, articles. You control the narrative with media. You, you have that ability, you have that power, and the more media buy or media spend or media leverage or uh, media reach you have, the more influence to control the narrative you have. And when a few people, few companies, own all of the media outlets, it makes it really, really tough. Why we are so passionate about teaching media is to help take the power back. To help take... The control that others have over the narrative and give it to truth tellers. This is why we teach what we teach. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on every injustice in the world, but I'm curious about them and I want to know. So why I'm reading from certain articles uh, is because I want to be able to deliver better evidence than just my, my opinion, because really opinions don't matter. They don't change anything. I've been off social media for over a month now, and it's like the biggest blessing ever. It's, it's it's I don't. I'm not influenced by other people's words. I'm not worried about being censored. There's a lot of things out there, and it just and that just the noise, the lies, the manipulation, and and the algorithms that take us off in these areas. Like screw all of that. I just want truth. And, oh, and in and seeing everyone's opinion, eventually you hear enough opinions, you start to go, that's now my opinion. I really, with all my heart, want to deal more with it, as much factual things as possible. And, you know, and I'm at the same time, I also know that some of the facts that you find may actually not even be facts. So it's not easy work. But with everything in me, I want to deliver the truth. And I or and I want to take eyeballs off of the crap that the mainstream media wants you to look at and put it on things that matter that maybe you can have an influence in because I think I hate segregation. I, I'm not a fan of it. I don't like seeing neighborhoods all stitched up like this is the Italians, this is the Jews, this is the... African Americans this is Hindu this is I don't like that like I so randomly I live in the most white town in America I think except for my neighborhood for some reason is the most multicultural <laughs> it's like living in LA on my on my street it's kind of crazy but I love it I love it I love it when my kids are surrounded by people from different rate that are different races different religions different belief systems different ethnic backgrounds different I love it, socioeconomic background. I want them to be around wealthy people, but I also want them to be comfortable around the poorest of the poor because I want them to have a heart for the poor, and they do. So if you don't know what redlining is, well, this is going to give some context, but instead of just talking about all the things it is, here are some potential solutions. So this is called... Uh, three Ways to midi, Mitigate Redlining Risk. Three Ways to Mitigate Redlining Risk by Kimberly Boatwright. That sounds familiar. Uh, it's a four-minute read. She is a CRM, CRCM and C A don't know what that is, but... Oh, I do now. Last month, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, Acting Director Dave Iyuhu shared his vision for the Bureau's Supervision, Enforcement, and Fair Lending Division, emphasizing a focus on racial equality. Uh, So it's one thing, too, to focus on the negative things, but one thing I'm going to try my best to do is also, while putting a light on this, because I want you to go look at it and look at the horrors and look at the history of it, but then also understand the solution because if you can support the solution, then the solution has a better chance of gaining traction and actually stopping it. So I don't want to focus only on negatives here. I hope that changes because tomorrow I may talk about something completely negative and <laughs> what a fun solutions here. He also plans for the CF, C-P-F-B, CPFB to look more broadly beyond fair lending to identify and root out unlawful conduct that disproportionately impacts communities of color and other vulnerable populations. There's some poor freaking white people, too, by the way. This is, not, but, but, redlining, which is basically, it's a literal term of mapping out and taking the red line of saying, okay, we're gonna lend money to every neighborhood community other than this. Other than this red line area. And in this red line area, we're not putting money there. Well, guess who lives in that red line area? Minorities, predominantly. And when you get into the history of redlining and the history of gentrification, and you look at the history of who's built our cities, it's all those people that live in the red line. So these wonderful beautiful apartments and beautiful homes and beautiful and and, and the the people that build America's cities are the very people that are basically written out of investments. That's it in a nutshell. And it's bull crap. Because what it does is it kills people's hope. It's the same way with the um, the civil commitment. Like there is people when you lose hope it's hard to even go, God can do this. God's going to take this from me. God's going to step in. When you don't have hope, like why even live? It, like, it, that, and that's the attitude and people that lose hope do in their life. But that's not, that's not truth. I mean, it's happening to people. Yes. But God is a God of hope. And he created us all for an amazing purpose. And that amazing purpose is full of hope. Because you need that hope to fulfill your mission. And what you were created for. And there's a lot of people in certain communities. Especially in North Minneapolis. and St. Paul. But I mean it sprinkles out to other areas that I'm not even familiar with. But I mean there's areas like Chicago. New York. Los Angeles. This happens everywhere. And like. And that's why we have generational, like, criminals, generational addiction issues and generational abuse issues. There's a reason why. Like, I got to speak at an event called The Power of We in Chicago. And I, God bless Lauren Harris for his vision for creating that. Uh, it, it's an amazing event, and it was eye-opening for me. Getting to see, uh, meet several kids that live in the inner city of, of Chicago and how they're bused to school. And when you hear about, not the normal suburban bus ride that takes five minutes. No, we're talking hours. We're talking kids not getting sleep, not being able to eat, not getting proper nutrition. And this is in Chicago. Chicago is not exactly a poor community. I say, yeah, yeah there's poverty, sure. There's a lot of homeless, yes. A lot of violence, yes. But there's a lot of stinking money in Chicago. Same way with Minnesota. But I get, got to meet those kids and hearing their stories and then hearing from some of the kids that, here I am, like, I'm an African-American kid, and I'm growing up in one of the Section 8 areas the, 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 the you know where they have the government housing. And and here it is. And I'm aspiring in my community to be a doctor, to be a cop, to be an attorney, to be a talk show host, to be any anything that is an education, a government job, whatever. And then people in their own family and community are like, who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than us? Because of this generational sickness that carries over into other... Areas of life, it's it's disgusting, and it and it and it's it's like we're cursing future generations with that. It's like if I'm not a healed father, even as a white man, okay, I'm a white man. The best thing to be in America, or it used to be, I think it probably still is, because we get away with more than anybody. We just do. It's factual. There's actually there's I know that there's studies that actually prove all this. Uh, for some reason, that's just the way it is and, and the way it's been and maybe it's changing, but the fact is, I know I've gotten away with multiple crimes because I am white. I, I know it. gotten out of speeding tickets because of it. I know what some of my African-American friends deal with. And they're like the patron saints of amazing. They're awesome people. And they're dealing with it. So... It's, it's, a, it's a real problem. Okay, I'm going to go on here. I, I lost my train of thought. Redlining is one such area that has received a lot of press over the last year. From town halls and academic studies to state investigations, there has been no shortage to, of coverage. And according to the publications like the American Banker, it's, li- it's likely to receive attention from CFPB in the months ahead. Redlining takes its name from the practice of outlining high-risk lending areas, typically minority communities, in red on maps. The term dates to 1933 in a program designed under the New Deal. Facing a housing shortage in the U.S., the federal government began a program designed to increase and segregate America's housing. As a result, White middle class, lower middle class families were able to buy homes in the suburbs while African-Americans and other people of color were left out of the new suburban communities and pushed instead into urban housing projects. In 1934, the Federal Housing Administration was established and further segregated efforts by refusing to insure a mortgage in or around African-American neighborhoods. This, this is how like hope is taken. Like, oh, I'm not going to get a loan. So why try? Why put in the extra effort if the game is rigged against me? Would you, if you, would you want to play me in monopoly? And this is probably a terrible example. But if you, would you want to play me in monopoly? If you knew that you were going to lose would you want to play Monopoly with me if I get to start the game at $20 million and you get to start with $200? Would you? Would you want to go to work if, and, and oh boy, uh, this, this is a whole other one, but would you want to go to work if you knew the people around you were getting paid 10 times what you were to do the same job? No! Eventually, it would ruin your, wreck your spirit. Why would, like, if you you just know that you're going to lose, like, why would you do it? You find something else. Well, and a lot of people go to crime. Because it's the only chance they have. Because who wants to live paycheck to paycheck? Who wants to live off government benefits, really? It's not like you're getting a lot. It's not like you're making enough to be able to go to the club or, 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 or go on vacation or invest in something that's going to help you build a future. It's not like it gives you enough to get a proper education. For an example, wait. redlining was outlawed with the Fair Housing Act of 1968, but it still occurs today often as a result of misguided marketing efforts. For an example, in July 2020, the CFPB filed a lawsuit against the Chicago, there's Chicago, against Chicago mortgage company that allegedly failed to draw mortgage applications from African-American neighborhoods in its market. The CFPB used statistical analysis to make its case and show the mortgage company had no legitimate non-discriminatory reason to draw relatively few applications for mortgage loans for properties in these African American areas. The CFPB said, disparaging comments about African American comments made by the mortgage company owner and loan staff discouraged African Americans from applying for mortgages. And I I can tell you, um, I've been around enough realtors in my life that you hear Words like black neighborhood, Asian neighborhood, gay neighborhood, and then you hear comments like, well, the blacks moved in, or the gays moved in, which is, you know, and then there's like, ah, the gays all moved into the neighborhood, but the neighborhood's pretty now. Say stuff like that. Nah, the Mexicans moved in. Like, you, you I, I honest to God, you hear it, and, 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 and <laughs> I don't know what that means. Does that mean that realtors are racist? I know. I mean, my mom's a realtor. She's not racist. She loves everybody. Um, she doesn't like, love sin, but she loves everybody. She loves people. Like Her heart for people is one of the most inspiring things ever. But, I mean, you hear people make these comments. Your builders say it. You hear developers say it. You hear when people talk about school systems. I mean, is that, is it just because all of this is like hardwired into our DNA to just accept this the way it is and like that's how it's been? Like, why, why would we go, oh, that's a black neighborhood and just like accept it? Because when you say, oh, it's a black neighborhood, you, Im- I, I, I would, I mean, what's your first thought? Do you think of South Central? Do you think of Watts? Do you think of the crack houses? I mean, maybe it's because I watch too much, like, you know, too many documentaries. <laughs> When I ran Contra and like all all of that stuff. But I mean, like, that's the first thing that I think about of what it's trying to say. Like, or they're associated with each other, whether it's loosely or firmly. I don't know. It's, there's a problem with it. Like, why do we just go, okay, well, that's the way it is without wanting to know why? Why? Okay, more recently, the National Fair Housing Alliance and other fair housing organizations filed a suit against Redfin, an online real estate service. It claims that Redfin's minimum home price policy discriminates against sellers and buyers of homes in communities of color, particularly in the metropolitan areas where they do business. It claims that Redfin's minimum home price policy discriminates against sellers and buyers of homes in communities of color, particularly in the metropolitan areas where they do business. As a result of the policy, NFHA says Redfin is far more likely to exclude non-white zip codes from its service area. And here, technology is supposed to be the great equalizer. I My brain immediately sees this and goes, okay, well, if they can do that, what other ways can they weaponize technology? Here we go. We have solutions now. Well, well hold on, wait. Um... And just last week a report by the New York Department of Financial Services or wait, New York's Department of Financial Services found a distinct lack of lending by mortgage lenders in minority neighborhoods and populations in Buffalo. To break the cycle of redlining, financial institutions need to understand their potential role in it. So, awareness is good. Like look, it's really really hard to be angry at somebody who sins and or like I wait, hold on, back that up. Like God, for instance. If somebody doesn't know that they're sinning, that God doesn't go, you sinner. Probably this is what the knowledge of good and evil part comes in because then you know that you sin and then you, because you know that you sin, then you have shame and then you have guilt and then you try to cover it up and then you lie and then all of a sudden that builds resentment and anger and then all of a sudden you get people, wow, that's how murderers are born and adulterers and abusers and,
1: hmm, eh,
0: knowledge of good and evil. Huh, never thought about that before. Very interesting. That kind of I don't know if that ruins the argument about the brain being the Garden of Eden or not, but but or maybe it supports it. Anyway I digress. Um Wow. Okay, to break the cycle of redlining, financial institutions need to understand their potential role in it. Yeah, being aware of it. So once you're aware of it, then you and you ignore it, then you got problems. This is why more people need to talk about these things, because then if you make people aware and then they turn their back, whose problem is it then? Hmm. That's why all of these fake, <sighs> the fake outrage crap, it's a distraction. They want us at war. They want all of our passions going the opposite way of truth. Because if our attention's going there, we have no time to focus on here. Or here, or here, or here. Okay, let's look at three... Well, I'm going to finish that part. So... To break the cycle of redlining, financial institutions need to understand their potential role in it. Florida's need to study fair lending enforcement actions, reviewing their lending data, and take proactive actions to create fair and equitable marketing plans, products, and services. These need to be designed to appeal to and attract all consumers. Let us look at each of these three mitigates. Enforcement actions. As compliance professionals, we often hear our business partners and management brush off enforcement actions against others with comments like, That's not our regulator. They're so much larger than us. We only market our brand. But looking at the last year of headline-making enforcement, size, and regulator were not key factors. Complaints, lending data, and marketing efforts drove investigations. The average marketing department isn't trying to redline, but it can be unintended there can be unintended consequences. Zip code targeting, online marketing, and social media feed algorithms are designed to drill down into consumer wants and needs. Well, that would be a pro it's sold to us as a pro, right? Well, evidently there's a con to it that's not talked about however. As we learn from HUD in its 2019 case alleging that Facebook was engaged in digital redlining, not showing ads to users based on their interest, gender, and search history or zip code, even when not intended to be discriminatory, it's still redlining. Hmm. Did your financial institution review its marketing practices and make any needed adjustments back when HUD brought this case against Facebook? If not, your institution is not acting proactively. Marketing can cause other compliance headaches. Just think about nine financial institutions, all different sizes that were the subject of CFPB and ensued consent orders in 2020 for deceptive advertising practices for VA guaranteed mortgages that contain false, misleading, and inaccurate statements. Lessons like these should guide FIs as they work to enhance their fair lending programs. Fair lending data. I have been a been a broken record telling financial institutions that they need to know their data so they can tell their own stories. This is true for redlining as well as HMDA, consumer lending, small business lending, especially the Paycheck Protection Program, fee waivers, complaints, and other areas knowing what you have done allows your f1 to recognize where it has been so proactive changes can be made to get you where you want to go if marketing or an if marketing or an industrious loan officer has created a rima reasonably expected market area by design or by accident it is time to own it Banks may need to decide if it qualifies as a new assessment area for CRA purposes. The credit union needs to know if it will work in its footprint. A gap analysis or market study may be needed to understand the positives and negatives of moving into the area. Either way, it needs to be documented and reported on, and there must be a clear decision by management on how it will be addressed. We are often asked, How do I even start to identify if I have redlining issues? Data analytics is top of the mind. As as an F1, it is important you have reliable access to trusted data and leading-edge data solutions. Engaging the right partners will allow you to respond to unfolding change quickly and efficiently. Proactive actions. Lending compliance is always evolving and financial institutions need to be prepared to grow as well. The best way to accomplish this goal is with a strong lending compliance program that can quickly and thoroughly adapt and respond to any lending compliance risk. At a a minimum, programs should have great leadership from board and senior management. That's every business. Mechanisms for managing the compliance risk. I think every business needs that too. Three lines of defense that work together efficiently and collaboratively. Now, I've never heard of an idea like that, and I love it. Good lending data that goes beyond HMDA and CRA. Yeah, data now, data is the new currency, and you can, data, like, the data, I mean, every sports team has gone to analytics because of the data. Like, data doesn't lie. It's, it's, a, it's, it's pretty spot on and you can notice patterns uh, and trends obviously you can identify it how they're able to how some people believe that predictive crime is actually a great science I mean I mean they, they, it's because of the data and they've been pretty good at predicting certain crimes now Going back to what we've talked about with, um, uh, gosh, that it's just civil commitment that does not want to fly off my tongue. But talking about civil commitment stuff, a lot of that's based on predict a crime, but it's humans predicting. I personally, this sounds scary, but I mean, I would trust a computer predicting a crime uh, before I would a human. Especially when it's psychologists and psychiatrists that are doing the predicting. That's dangerous. But this data, is it's, it's real numbers, real stuff that you can't deny. I mean, could you mislead the public? Could you manipulate the statistics? Sure. But ultimately, the, the real statistics are going to be available. Um, so this la- the last thing that this says is we, when we work proactively to understand how, what, and where we lend, we do more than tell our own stories. We help write a new, better one. Now, I, look, I mean, I, this, that's from a lender. There's all kinds of other, other information on redlining. The history of redlining is fascinating. Um, I just, what I, what I know about it. And when you hear about different stories and you hear how, sto- like, it's, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. In fact, I I would think that if we made lending more equal, and there's again, there's so many forms of redlining, but if we made lending, for instance, more equal, and we gave the same financial opportunities, the same growth opportunities to people that were minorities that were stuck in these redlined areas, even though they're supposed to be illegal, they're very much real, and they very much happen, and it's happening all around us, that... We may not have the extreme housing prices. Will there be some multi-million dollar homes? Well, yeah, of course. But are there gonna be these 400 million, 200 million, 100 million dollar homes? Maybe not. Because obviously someone is getting wealthy off these practices. These practices are not just about just being racist. They're also, I guarantee you, that there's there is a financial incentive to doing this in their mind or they wouldn't do it there's a financial there's a financial insistent and, and there's a financial benefit for most people that are doing the injustice or a selfish one but that typically bleeds into financial so There's just so much more, but this is why there's generational curses in certain areas because people are just repeating the cycle and not enough people are breaking the cycle. And the reason why is because we haven't had enough people speaking the truth. And I believe God's truth to the people affected. That's just real. I'm amazed that why, I'm amazed at how it seems that society is set up for others to fail when in God's kingdom, we were designed to soar. Man's system, God's system. So I hope this piqued in interest um, I would love to speak to an expert so I may reach out to some people today and see if I can find someone that could talk about this from the true, truly well someone that's an expert in this field because I'm not but it is something that when I learned about again during the the riots that stemmed from what happened to George Floyd George Floyd being murdered um, just you know you hear about people that grew up You know, the stories that get passed down generation to generation, speaking to people that helped build the city and hearing them talk about it. It's it's completely different than me talking about it. It's just, it's gross. And I I think about all these, reminds me, and I know that there's a tie-in, but like when these new stadiums are built into, in these cities, well, it forces, like they usually put them in the cheapest neighborhoods, the rundown areas, the gang-infested, drug-infested areas. Because the land's cheaper. And then they drive out all the minorities and other people that live there. Where do they go? And this is everywhere. I I know Atlanta's new stadium. I remember talking to people about that that were having their homes and I know that I believe that it's called um, domain uh, I just eminent domain and you know they give them some money to move them but from my understanding they typically get screwed over like it's never good because their houses aren't really worth much but to them it's their home and they're being forced to leave eminent domain I think that's, yeah, I think that's right. So the it's just very, very interesting. And they go in, they and there's a term that is, and I, I need to research it, but there's a term where basically let's just say that there's an intention to go in and destroy an area to drive down property value but destroy it in a way because most of these businesses don't have insurance so that when their buildings get destroyed they don't actually have the cash to replace it so then it goes up for auction and the wealthy are able to go in and buy it for nothing and then build these giant buildings and price out everybody there's a term for it I got to find it but I learned about it right like right after George was murdered like that's when I started looking at it because something didn't feel right about what happened during those riots because yeah, there were people who have every right to be pissed about what happened but even crazier is that well like it just there was people being bussed in like it felt like there was an agenda behind it you know, like some of it was done on purpose so went down that wormhole <laughs> felt some wild stuff Anyway, thank you so much for watching. Thank you again for everyone that sews into us. You can scan that barcode there. You can go to livemona.org or livemonaworldwide.org, either one. uh, where There's a button that says sew. You can sew into us there. Um, We we keep going because of your donations, and we've been going since uh, Good Friday, this network, and you all have helped keep it going. So your support means the world to us um, and the work that we do. As a foundation and if we can be of service to you please 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 reach out uh, there's a contact form there on the same website livemana.org. and uh, you can just book time to talk
1: happy to talk to you happy to pray for you so thank you for watching God bless